what you say. Period. That's what the Word says. All right? Now, why is that so important? Because notice Romans 10 and verse 17. It says, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. The, the Greek word for faith there is the Greek word pistis, P-I-S-T-I-S, and it simply means this, the conviction of the truth of anything, or being convinced that something's true. So being convinced that something is true comes by hearing the word on that subject. In the proper context of Romans 10, 17, faith for the things of God comes by hearing the word on the things of God. But this is an absolute law where faith in any area is concerned. Faith for that thing comes by hearing the word on that thing. Amen. You you can't separate them in the sense you cannot expect to not have faith in something you're constantly hearing. If you're constantly hearing negativity and failure, and no hope, and everything's falling apart, you will have faith that there's no hope, everything is falling apart. You you can't avoid that because you're hearing it. And your, your body, your spirit is designed to reach out and begin to believe what you're hearing. Well, my spirit doesn't have anything to do with bringing negativity to me. Oh, yes, it does. Because what you're hearing consistently, your spirit reaches out and grabs it. Everything you need to be successful is in your spirit. And the more you hear the word on what you need to be successful, the more your spirit can help bring it to pass. Amen. So faith for anything comes by hearing the report on that subject. Faith for the things of God comes by hearing the word of God. Faith for destruction and fear comes by hearing the word of destruction and fear. I can't tell you how many times I've heard this phrase recently. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? Now look, a faith person doesn't just sit and say, oh, everything's going to be okay, I'm not worried about nothing. Well, I'm not worried about anything, but, but you are at best neutral if that's your mindset. Faith is a forward-moving force. Faith isn't neutral. Faith doesn't just sit and say everything's going to be okay. Nothing will be okay without faith action by you. Things just don't become okay Because you think everything's going to be okay. You have to be declaring what the Word of God says. You have to be hearing what the Word of God says. Amen. Do do, do you see this? I remember one time I was dealing with a family. And they had a a son that was uh, uh, addicted to uh, uh, crack cocaine. And uh, they called me from Wichita. I would met this young man in... uh, uh, Autogaville, Alabama, actually Birmingham, Alabama. I was there for Mac Gober's 25th 
ministry anniversary at uh, Pastor Scott's church in uh, Birmingham, where life. And uh, I was there, and, and I went out to uh, the media tables, and this young man was out there helping with the media tables. He was going to Canaan Land, uh, Matt Gober's uh, men's home there in Autogaville. And uh, uh, I met him, my wife and I met him, and he invited us out to the men's uh, 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 place out there. And so we went and visited with everybody, but here's the point. And so uh, uh, he told us he was from Wichita. Well, he, he called me when he got back, and we visited a little while. But then about three, six months later, three to six months later, uh, his, uh, uh, his dad called me and said, you know, he's back doing what he was doing. Uh, can he come to you? Can you help him? I said, oh, I can help him if, if, you know, if he wants help. And so he came up here, and uh, I'm, I'm a big one. I believe a lot this way that comfort causes compromise. Right? And, and if, if, if you want to be free from something, you'll do whatever you got to do to be free from it. Amen. Amen. I've talked to men before and they say, I got a problem with things on the internet. I say, get rid of your computer. Oh, I can't. You don't want help. Amen. Oh, I got a problem with, you know, my phone. I'm looking at things on my phone I shouldn't look at. Well, then get rid of your phone. I can't do that. You don't understand. I believe Jesus said, if your right hand offends you, cut it off. If your right eye offends you, pluck it out. Is that right? Now, <laughs> amen. But here's the thing. He came and, and he said, well, you know, I'm, I'm here for help. And I said, okay. I said, we're going to put you a, a pallet here in the back of the church. And you can sleep here. And then when I come up in the mornings, I'll take you and get you breakfast. And you can just be with me all day. What a deal. Right? And, and we'll, get, we'll get you free and keep you free. Well, I could see right away in his face, this said, no, I like my bed. I like going where I want to go. I like a hot shower. Amen. He spent one night back there. At that time, we were having prayer here. The men were in the sanctuary at 5 o'clock in the morning. And so 5 o'clock in the morning, I went and woke him up. Come on, we're going to pray. Oh, I didn't sleep all night last night. I said, tough, get up. You want free, we're going to be free. Amen. Amen. Boy, the reason I'm telling you this is, uh, you know, that very day, that very afternoon, he found somebody that he could go hang out with other than me. And when I was talking to his grandmother the night that he came here, she looked at me, wonderful woman, great, precious woman. But she looked at me and she said, I'll tell you, Pastor Steele, we've, we've pulled that dragon's teeth he won't ever uh, uh, cause him to mess up like that again. Well, right here when she said that, I knew that was a great desire of hers, but it wasn't faith. Because you can't just claim that for somebody. They have to want it. He had to want to be free. If his faith wasn't working for freedom... If he wasn't hearing the word, if he wasn't willing to do what needed to be done, I can want it for you all I want. But if you don't want it, it's not going to work. Amen. Do, do you see this? So what you, de what you hear determines the picture of the issue. What you hear determines your picture. Amen. Well, they said this. Well, now, wait a minute. 
there's, there's a couple things that come up to me there. Exactly who are they? And secondly, what does the word say? What they say is not important compared to what he said. Well, they said there's no hope. But the Bible says God is the God of hope. And it says when Abraham had no hope, he depended on what God said and received hope. Amen. Glory to God. What you hear influences how you think. So what you hear determines your picture. What you hear determines how you think. Determines how you think. This is important. Because my, my, I will go the direction of my most recent thought. How you hear determines how you see the picture of the issue. What you hear determines how you think. And how you think determines how you see. And how you see determines the way things are. Think, see, be. Those things never change. The way you think is how you're going to see it, and that's how you're going to be. That, that never changes. And so people, the, the, the Lord said to us that there will even be believers that continually give their thoughts and their minds over to ungodly sources that are saying there's no hope, there's no way, and that they'll begin to believe that and say it, and it'll be established to them. Amen. Now notice Numbers, thir- Numbers chapter 13. Oh, hallelujah. I'm glad you came to church today. There's nothing God cannot or will not do, but He requires your agreement. The the Bible says, can two walk together except they be in agreement? Well, the understood answer there is no, you can't. You can't walk together. Walking is always indicative of the way you live your life. It's the pathway of your life. And, And if you're not on the pathway with God... You got to agree with him to get what he said. Amen. Amen. Numbers 13, verse 27. Now I'm skipping some of this, but we'll we'll back up and, and reiterate this. This is when Moses had sent the 12 spies into the land of Canaan. Verse 27 They and they told him and said, We came into the land. That you sent us, and surely it, it floweth with milk and honey, and this is the fruit of it. Nevertheless, or but, the people be strong that dwell in the land. The cities are walled, very great. We saw the children of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the south. The Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites dwell in the mountain. The Canaanites dwell by the sea and by the coast of Jordan. And Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once. And possess it, for we're well able to overcome it. But the men that went up with him said, We are not able to go up against it, for the people are stronger than we. Notice this. And they brought up an 
evil report of the land. Mm. Through which we've gone to search. It's a land that eats up the inhabitants. And all the people that we saw in our men of great statue. We saw giants, the sons of Anak, which come of the giants. And we were in our own sight, grasshoppers. And so were we in their sight. Now, I want you to understand something. This is all what they thought. This is what they thought. They thought the land ate up the inhabitants of it. They thought they could not overcome. They thought this was their thinking. What they saw, they begin to think that way. That's important. This is all what they thought. And then they begin to say. Remember what he said? They'll begin to hear and they'll begin to think. And then they'll begin to say. They said they couldn't overcome the people. This is important. This is what they said. Notice what it said. Verse 31. We are not able to go up against the people. They're stronger than we are. Wait a minute. Every group they had faced up till that point was stronger than them. Pharaoh was stronger than them. They didn't even have an army when they came out of Egypt. They came to the Red Sea and there was no way around it. Right? But God opened it and the wind blew on it all night. And they went over on dry ground. And all night long, pillars of fire kept Pharaoh at bay. God took the, the, the chariot wheels off his chariot. That's what the Bible says. Amen. And so all night long, God, the power of God kept the enemy at bay all night long while these people were waiting on the, the, the ocean floor to dry. The sea floor. And it says in the morning they went over on dry ground. Boy that a preach right there. Don't you know that while you're waiting on God to do what he promised. He's keeping the enemy at bay. Amen. His mobility is going to be hindered. The wheels are coming off his chariot. Amen. Because God's preparing a sure footing for you. And in the morning, you're just going to get up and go over on dry ground. That's what you need to be hearing. My God is God. My God has made a way for me. I will not fail. I will not go under. I will not be defeated. My God is God. And what he said is what's going to happen. It's what he said. Oh, my Lord. Amen. Yeah, but they're saying, yeah, but that, that's, not a, that's not your concern. They are going to say what they say. You keep saying what he said. About what, Pastor? About you. About your family. About your finances. About your health. About everything, your job, your church. Everything that God said. Glory to God. Mm -mm. Do you see that? Hmm. They said they couldn't. 
because they thought they couldn't. Hallelujah. There are things you need to do. Now, I want to say this without giving it a lot of thought. Because the more you sit and ponder it, the more you'll figure out ways you can't. Listen, I attribute a lot of the prosperity in my wife and I's life to our willingness to when God says do it, just do it. If God says give it, just give it. This is important. Because the longer you wait, the more the enemy's got time to mess with you. The longer you wait, the longer you've got to think about what might happen if you do that. The Lord said, give that $100 bill in your pocket. Well, Lord, that's the only $100 bill I have. Well, he knows that. Amen. Amen. But if he says, give it, the longer you wait, the longer you hold off, the more you'll find a reason not to do it. What's attached to the other end of your obedience? The provision, the blessing, the breakthrough, the overcoming. What you're believing for. There's much attached to that. What was not in their mind when they went into that land was what God had already said. Notice this. They brought up an evil report. Now, if you don't study that, it it won't matter much. Well, evil report, yeah, it was a bad report. It's a defaming report. It literally means slander. They defame. Well, how do you defame something? By talking about a person. You don't slander things. You slander people. They were not just talking bad about the land. They were defaming and slandering what God said. God said it's a good land. God said I've given you the land. Oh, glory. God said, you're going to go there and you're going to prosper and you're going to build houses and you're going to get vineyards, and right? Yeah. And they said, well, yeah, you know, all that stuff's there, but we can't do it. Mm. The evil report they brought back was against the land that God said was, number one, a land of milk and honey. That's in Exodus chapter 3. Exodus chapter 13, Exodus chapter 33. He said, I'm bringing you into a land of milk and honey. Well, what's that? A land of provision. You're going to have everything that you need. It's going to be a good place for your crops. It's going to be a good place for your cattle. Everything that you need is going to be met there. And they said it was a land that ate up the inhabitants. Well, I would never say that. Well, no, not in those exact words. But there are believers who say, well, I'm giving and nothing's working. Nothing's happening. You just said the land that God brought you into and the system that God gave you that gives you the power to get wealth is not a good system. That's defaming words. That's slander. Hallelujah. He said in Exodus chapter 3 verse 8, it's a good land. Well, if God says it's a good land, then it's a good land. 
And they said, the land is what God said, but. What they failed to do was agree with God. They agreed to an extent. Well, yeah, the land's good, but there's giants there. There's Amorites there. There's Jebusites there. There's Canaanites there. Notice something in Exodus 23. If you will believe, notice Exodus 23, verse 27. He's talking about going into that land. And he says, I will send my fear before you. And I will destroy all the people to whom you shall come. And I will make all your enemies turn their backs on you. And I will send hornets before you, which will drive out the Hivite, the Canaanite, the Hittite from before you. I'll not drive them out from before you in one year, lest the land become desolate and the beasts of the field multiply against you. By little and little, I will drive them out from before you until you are increased and inherit the land. Notice that. I'll send my fear before you and destroy all the people that you come against. Hmm. I'll send hornets and drive out the Hivite, the Canaanite, the Hittite. All those that were mentioned in Numbers 13. He said, I'll send hornets and drive them out. And notice, verse 30, little by little. Faith is never a huge leap. Faith is, people say, well, you know, I'm I'm just taking a, a blind leap of faith. You're not in faith. Because faith is not blind. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 7 that that's how we see. By faith. Faith is always steps. God will give you a step of faith. And notice what he said. I'll do this little by little. I'm I'm not going to do it all at once. But I'm going to do it little by little. But yet it's going to get done. Because what's happening while he's doing this little by little, you're increasing. Right? I'll do it little by little until you are increased and you inherit the land. To walk in everything God promised you, you've got to increase. Your thinking has to increase. Your believing has to increase. If you're still operating on the same level of faith that you were at five years ago, you're not ready for anything more. Because the faith that you have has brought to you all it can bring. Amen. Amen. Notice in, in the four Gospels, there were times Jesus told the disciples, you have no faith. Then there were times he said, you have little faith. So they were increasing. But then there are two people that he said they had great faith. Amen. So now here's what, that's not what I'm teaching on, but I'm I'm just saying. There are people you know, they have no faith. 
Well, that's impossible. God gave to every man the measure of faith. Yes, he did. Every man has a measure of saving faith. But everything you need by faith, you've got to build your faith to receive it. Amen. And how do you start? Little by little. Little by little. And what happens while those steps are being taken? You're increasing. And what will eventually happen? You'll inherit what God said could be yours. God said he would drive out their enemies little by little and deliver them into their hands. And so regardless of the number and the size of the enemy, God had said he'd drive them out. Notice, he didn't put a caveat in there. Unless they're giants. Unless they're Canaanites, Jebusites, Hivites. He said, ever the enemy, I will drive them out. What was their job? Agree with what God said. Agree with what God said. Notice Numbers chapter 14. See, that's the key. If, if there's nothing else you know to do, you just agree with what God said. Okay, what well, he said. That's what I believe. Because notice what he said. He said that those people in the day and age we live in that give their thoughts and minds to it and begin to say things... And it's established to them. Notice the phrase. They must give their thoughts to it. People say, well, if I don't know what's going on, aren't I in denial? No. You're protecting yourself. Mm, got quiet, but that's all right. Numbers chapter 14, verse 1. And all the congregation lifted up their voice and cried, and the people wept that night. And all the children of Israel murmured against Moses and Aaron, and the whole congregation said, Would God we'd died in the land of Egypt, or would God we'd died in this wilderness. The people heard what was said and started saying the same thing. These are the same people that just a while previous had been crying out to God to deliver them. And God comes and the, the entire, the greatest nation on the earth at the time is decimated. God delivers three and one half million slaves, puts the wealth of Egypt in their hands, dries up the Red Sea, brings them out, has already brought water out of a rock twice. I don't think you see that. Water out of a rock. And it said it was so much, it was rivers in the desert. Not just a little trickle. That this wasn't a water fountain. This was a gusher. And now here they are. After one bad report. Wish we'd have died in Egypt. Wow, would God, we'd have died in this wilderness. <laughs> My goodness. They are, do you know where they're at right now? They are on the border of the promised land. They're not 500 miles away. They are right on the border. They're almost there. There are people you know and I know that they are almost where God wants to bring them, and they are filling their minds 
with the, the unbelief and the doubt of the world. And they are going to be further away from what God promised them tomorrow than they are today. And they'll be further away Friday than they are today. Why? Because they're giving their mind. Don't you give your mind to nobody. You meditate on what the Word of God says. You don't, you don't give your mind to what everybody else is saying. Amen. You do whatever you want to do with what I'm about to tell you. Fox News is not your friend. They might be the conservative choice, but they are not the Bible choice. And don't even get me started about all them others. Amen. If you're going to listen to that, you might as well listen to in West Philadelphia, born and raised on the playgrounds where I spent most of my days. I got in one little fight and my mama got scared, said, you're moving with your auntie and your uncle to Bel Air. I pulled up to the house. You just thought I didn't know. Right? But think about that. How much, how much power is in that? None. Zero. Absolutely none. The, the, but there's power in what you hear where the negative is concerned. Because even though you're a believer with a grasp on the Word of God, it will move you away. Amen. These people had seen God's wonders. There are people in, under the sound of my voice. You've seen people brought back from the brink of death. You've watched people be brought back in, where sickness is concerned. You've seen family members delivered from alcohol and drugs and filth. You've watched God change their life. You've seen a miraculous turnaround in your finances. Your marriages have been turned around. Keep your focus on what God has done for you and not on what you have to overcome. What you have to overcome is of no consequence because the same God that brought you out last week will bring you out this week he hasn't lost sight of you he hasn't forgotten you he hasn't put you on the shelf God says you're in this fight and your faith will overcome faith is the victory that overcomes the world you're not about to lose you're not about to go under you're not about to be defeated you are in a place that the devil can't touch you and it might be falling down around you all around you but you're setting, you're standing in the kingdom the shield of faith Faith is intact. You win, my friend. Hallelujah. You win. They just had to agree with God. Notice, same chapter, chapter 14, verse 27. How long will I bear with this evil congregation that murmur against me? I've heard the murmurings of the children of Israel, that they murmur against me. Say unto them, as truly as I live, says the Lord, as you have spoken in my ears, so I will do to you. That's powerful. Because God never said that before. And you read through uh, uh, Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers. These were some complaining people. Amen. I mean, they might as well be from Oklahoma. They're just complaining folks. 
I, hook them. Amen. Shut up, Kevin. Amen. Hallelujah. Kevin was walking out of the church the other day. Didn't even say bye, Pastor. He just walked by me and said, we beat Texas. And that, that was just... I, I bleed blue and crimson. I am a, a rock chalk, right? I, I mean, that's me. And I just have an affinity for the Texas football program. And my friend, my brother. Hit me a low blow. Say, so what's that got to do with the message? Nothing, absolutely not one thing. Oh, Oklahoma, that's what it was. And if you're watching from Oklahoma, we love you. You are O-K-L-A-H-O-M-A. <laughs> but, <laughs> notice what he said. Okay, I've brought you to the boundary. And now you tell them what they've been saying is going to be established to them. As they spoke in my ears, that's what's going to happen. Whew. Remember what he said to us in that word? They'll start saying these things, and it'll be established to them. Oh, glory. This is where what they said was established to them. Notice. Hmm. Your carcasses will fall in this wilderness. All that were numbered of you, according to your whole number, from 20 years old and upward, that have murmured against me. Doubtless, you will not come into the land, which I swear to make you dwell therein. Save Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, and Joshua, the son of Nun. But your little ones, which you said would be a prey, them will I bring in. And they shall know the land that you despise. Think about that. God uses this language because he wants us to see something. When you fail to do what God's asking you to do, it's because you really despise what God said. Well, that's not how I think. That's how God said. When you see somebody just walk away from, from the things of God and walk away from the plan of God, it's, it's not just that they, they had a, 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 an issue with their brain one day when they got up. That was how they thought. That's what they wanted. They didn't care about it anyway. What you care about, you value. You put value on it. If these people cared about where they were going, they would have put value on it. And notice what he said. I'm helping somebody. But as for you, your carcasses will fall in this wilderness. Your children will wander in the wilderness 40 years and bear your whoredoms until your carcasses are wasted in the wilderness. After the number of the days that you search the land, 40 days, each day for a year, shall you bear your iniquities, even 40 years, and you will know my breach of promise. Now, this word breach of promise, this phrase, it means the altering of my purpose. What does this mean? In other words, I had a purpose in mind for you. But now that purpose has been altered. Now that purpose has been altered. My purpose was to bring you in. But now I've had to alter the purpose. That's a good place for you to say out loud, God will never have to alter His purpose for me. 
I remind you of this quite frequently. But I remember when we had a baby grand piano in this church on a Monday night. We were praying. I was praying under that piano. And the Lord spoke to me. I'd been here five years at the time. And the Lord spoke to me. And he said, how many years did I give the previous two pastors? And I knew. And I said, Lord, five years apiece. He said, what does five mean? I said, five is the number of grace. He said, I gave them each five years to do what I asked them to do. And they wouldn't do it. And then he asked me. He said, now I've given you five years. Will you do it or do I get somebody else? I stood up and I said, don't look any farther than right here. Amen. 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 Well, we must have done all right. We're looking at 23 years next month. But, but here, here, here's the thing. Here's the thing. God will say, I want to do this for you. You give your mind and your thoughts to what God said he wants to do for you and not on the situation. A pandemic does not change God's plan. A, a, a inflation does not change God's provision. But if you're constantly giving your, num- your, your mind to the inflation numbers and what's going on, don't you know yet the world lies? And you're giving your, your, yourself to numbers that are probably inflated. They're probably not the truth. You're not listening to the truth. Amen. And even if they are the right numbers, it still doesn't change what the truth said. He said, in a time of famine, you will laugh because God will sustain you. Hallelujah. I've, I've been young. How many's been young? And he said, now I'm old. How many's getting older? All right, all of us. All right, I've been young and now I'm old. And here's what I've never seen in between the time I was young and now that I'm old. I've never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed having to beg bread. I'm telling you that I've been doing this for a long time. And I have never seen God-fearing, righteous, Bible-believing people suffer and go under. You're not going to go under. You're going to go over. Your best is still ahead of you glory to God hallelujah you just keep your mind on what God said ah hallelujah Woo. <laughs> God fulfilled what he promised it was just fulfilled in the children of those he made the promise to they went in Amen. Mm. These people heard the evil report and began to think and speak the evil report. Folks, this wasn't just negative and positive. This was life and death. What you listen to is life or death. If, if you think it doesn't matter, you're putting things at risk. Hallelujah. 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 See, the Lord said those people have given their minds and their thoughts over the information that the world and ungodly sources continue to pour out. If you start thinking nothing will ever change, you'll start acting like nothing will ever change. Amen. Now, you know, back... Back in the, in the good old days. You know the book of Ecclesiastes says. To say. Why were things so much better then. Is unwise. 
This is the best time you've ever known. The time that you're alive in the earth is the greatest days ever. Amen. Yeah, but all that we're facing, listen, listen. There are people, there are people in here that you know people. You know people that live through the depression. I do. Well, they face some stuff. Amen. I don't know anybody in here that's been standing in a bread line. I mean, not only, right? We, we have too many jobs available right now. Nobody will work. I took mom and, and Michelle to Bowling's the other day, and we like never got served. There was only two people, and they have signs up. We need help. Please be patient with us. People won't work. I don't know anybody here stood in the soup line yesterday for lunch. They were facing some stuff. No money. Not just inflation, depression. Amen. And then they came out of the depression and went into World War II. That's why they called them the greatest generation. Amen. You had 17-year-old kids graduating high school. Pearl Harbor got bombed. And they just went down the day, the very day, and signed up. We're going we're to go fight for freedom. The reason it seems so hard on the generation we live in is most of the generation that we are living in has never faced anything. They've had everything handed to them on a platter. They've had everything given to them the easy way. If they don't like it, they don't have to have it. Faith is not that way. Faith is a fight. It's the fight of faith. And you're going to have to stand in some times when you're standing in faith. And you're going to have to do all you can do to stand. But Ephesians 6 says, having done all to stand, you stand there and you stand having overcome all. Don't back up. Don't back up. And so why you see so much thinking of it's all falling apart and there's no hope is because we have a generation that's never faced nothing. They've, ne they've never had any challenges. A present company excluded. You understand what I'm saying? That's their mindset. You, you need to give me a good paying job and I don't have to work so hard to get it. I deserve it. Now, what do you think I went to college four years for? I don't know. But your college degree doesn't make up for your laziness. You, you understand what I'm, what I'm saying with this? If you're going to stand in faith, these people didn't want to face anything. They were only willing to rejoice and praise God after the victory. They would never rejoice and praise God before the victory. Every time the pressure was on, they got negative, they complained, they said, wish God would kill us, and God forgave them, and God forgave them, and God forgave them, and God forgave them. And then finally God said, okay, that's it. You tell them, as they spoke, that's how it's going to be. Amen. Hallelujah. Say out loud, I'm of the faith generation. Say it one more time, I'm of the faith generation. Say it, I don't back up. I don't back down, I don't quit, I don't complain, I don't murmur, I only do one thing, I win. Hallelujah. That's it. I win. 
Glory be to God. I don't know if I'll get through all this or not, but if I don't, we'll be back tonight. Hmm. Your life will go the direction of your most recent thoughts. Notice, notice Proverbs 23 and 7, a familiar verse, but this is so important. This is so important because he's talking about a man that has an evil eye. He's not generous. And notice this guy that's not generous says, yeah, eat and drink. Go ahead. But it says he has an evil eye. Notice what it says in the first part of that verse. As he thinks in his heart, so is he. He's not really generous. He don't want you to eat and drink. He hates it that you're enjoying yourself. Why? Because that's how he thinks. And notice, that is a law. As a man thinks in his heart. Even, even the world got a hold of this. Years ago, a man named James Allen wrote a book called As a Man Thinketh. And, and I, I'm not saying that he wasn't a believer. I believe he was. But here's, here's the point. They took that into the business world and changed the face of, of corporations. Napoleon Hill wrote a volume about that thick called The Laws of Success. And, and, and probably 85% of it is how you think. He wrote another book called Think and Grow Rich. All about how you think. Hallelujah. Earl Nightingale. Made millions, hundreds of millions. On how, how teaching on how a man thinks. Now, I don't know that all those men were saved. Some of them were. Some of them weren't. But here's the point. They took the principle, how you think is how you'll be. We're not copying them. They're copying us. But notice, the man says one thing, but he's thinking another. And the word says the way he thinks is how he is. What you're saying is evidence of what you're thinking. Hallelujah. 2 Corinthians 10. Let's run over there. Hallelujah. We've got about 10 minutes. And if I uh, move fervently and with haste, We'll get it done. 2 Corinthians 10 and 3. Though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal or fleshly, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Cast in down imaginations or reasonings, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Well, these strongholds are thought processes that have to be pulled down. They have to be demolished. You can't afford to spend any time entertaining the wrong thoughts. Why? Because they become strongholds. You don't play with strongholds. Amen. And, and you can put whatever moniker on it you want. People say that guy has a poverty mentality. He has a poverty stronghold. He don't think he can succeed. He thinks everybody's against him. Nobody likes me. Everybody hates me. I'm going to go out in the garden and eat worms. 
Big ones, fat ones, small ones, skinny ones. Right? Going to go eat worms. I just dated myself with that reference, but nonetheless. Here, 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 here's the point. As he thinks, he thought about something long enough that it became a stronghold. And that word stronghold, it refers to a castle or a fortress. Nobody can get in and help him if he's not willing to pull down the stronghold. The, the problem with thinking wrong is you start, to, uh, you start to set your life up according to how you think. Your limits become the limits in your life. Well, I don't have an education, and because I, ha- I don't have an education, I can't get a good job, and because I can't get a good job, I can't make a lot of money, and so my family is just stuck in poverty. People say, well, that's the truth. No, it's not. It's a blatant lie. How can that be the truth when most of the men that founded our nation did not even have an elementary school education? How can that be the truth when some of the most, some of the most uh, uh, prosperous people I know don't even have a, 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 a high school education, let alone a college education? There's nothing. We, we, listen. I'm preparing for education for my child. I mean, education is great. But here's what I'm saying. If you start thinking that way, then you're limited. Why can't apply for that job? Well, why not? Well, because I don't qualify. To whom? Now, if you go down there and they say, we really want someone with these qualifications. But here's the thing. If God wants you to have that job... The issue is not whether you qualify. You qualify because God said, I want you to be there. (laughs) See, that's why it's so important to be in the plan and not just looking for the provision. Every job I got in the corporate world, I did not qualify for. Everyone required four years of college education. I didn't have four years of college education. But I got every job. That's not just, that doesn't just work for me. I didn't think I could fail. I still don't think I can fail. Neither can you. I expect a little better response out of that. Amen. Those strongholds are to be cast down. And that word, casting down, it means to lower or with violence, demolish. So in other words, you can't pick at them. You got to grab them and demolish them. In other words, you got to be violent with those thoughts. Right? You might have to tell the devil, okay, he'll, he'll throw a thought your way, and you might have to say, okay, watch this, watch this. I'm taking that captive. And I'm casting it down. You really do that? You bet. Why? I want him to know. I'm not playing. You're not playing in my mind. There are people here in this sermon. And you will go get in your car. And five minutes down the road. You're going to be tempted to say a bunch of junk you shouldn't be saying. Because those words are lingering in your car. You've been speaking those words and they're there waiting on you. 
They're standing like sentries at your car. Because you won't say those things in the church. Somebody will call you on them. But once you get home, once you get in the car, now you're in your environment. Those words are waiting right there on you. They're, they're ready to jump on you. No, 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 no. When those words start producing thoughts, you got to say, no, nope, no, nope, no. Nope. Watch this. I'm grabbing that. I'm taking it captive. And I'm casting it down in Jesus' name. Amen. So that's done with violence. In other words, you're not playing with those thoughts. Why? I don't ever want to be in agreement with how the world thinks. I, I am, I have told my wife over and over again, even more, more recently, I don't, I don't want to think like the world in any area. I don't have time to watch what the world's watching, listen to what the world's listening to. We, oh, we got so much to do. Jesus is about ready to return. The rapture of the church is imminent. If the time for the return of Christ has ever been, it is right now. It's not many days hence. Ever how long we live, if it's 20 years from now, Jesus is about ready to return we don't have time to play with those thoughts amen how we think and how the world thinks should be polar opposites amen glory to God as the church we should live holier by accident than religious people do on purpose Oh, glory. Look at Philippians 4. Philippians 4. And uh, we'll start in verse 6. Lord, help me. And uh, notice it says, Be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and petition, or prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Present your request to God, the peace of God that passes all understanding will keep your heart and mind through Christ. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are honest, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue and any praise, think on these things. Think on these things. Is that what it says? So we're to start by what? Number one, being careful for nothing. Anxious for nothing. Then we make our requests known to God. And what's the result? The peace of God that passes our understanding. The Roos Bible says stop worrying about even one thing. Now right there, I lose a lot of Christians because they go, that's impossible. Well, if it's in the Bible, it's not impossible. It's just not being done. Amen. Amen. No, I'm not going to worry about that. I, I wrote this in the book, Refusing the Care, and in the series I taught on it, that, that there are believers that they think if they're not worrying, they're not being responsible. Well, I mean, if you was in my position, you'd worry. Well, number one, you don't know that. And number two, even if I would worry, it doesn't change the fact that Jesus said don't. Just because somebody you believe in is doing something does not change what God said about it. Amen. You would not go to a church where the pastor was living in open adultery. Would you? 
You go, go into the church and the pastor goes, look, you know, I love all y'all. And, and you know, I'm married and, and married to my wife. But, but you know, I'm a man of many needs. So I've got a couple concubines. And I just want you to know I'm going to live with them and my wife. Well, if you're smart, you're gone. What, what am I saying? He might be putting his approval on it, but it doesn't change what God said. You can find people and even believers that will come up with a reason to worry, but it doesn't change what God said about not worrying. Oh, hallelujah. Mm. And notice what he said. The peace of God. To worry is to believe. If you're worried about it, you believe it's going to happen. I'm just concerned that this might happen. Concern is Christian worry. (laughs) Right? You know, just like Christians have Christian cuss words, you know what yours are. Right? They mean the same thing. But they just, they just know they can't say that other word. Mm. Hallelujah. Faith is proof I believe what God said. Worry is proof that I believe what the world's saying. Or what the doctor said. Or what the circumstance said. Now again, that's not denial. But that's not what I'm giving my mind to. There are believers that are believing God to heal their bodies. And they can tell you every line of the doctor's report. Everything the doctor said. What this level is. What that level is. They can tell you everything that's wrong in their body. But they can't quote two scriptures about being healed. Now does that mean you shouldn't know what the doctor said? No. But what are you giving your attention to? This is what the doctor said. Yeah, but I went to the doctor. They gave me six months to live. Okay, so that is what it is. What they know is they gave you six months to live. But the scripture says I will not die, but I will live. You see, when what are you giving your thoughts to? Because if I give my thoughts to that six-month report, that will be established to me. We want the word established to us. Oh, hallelujah. Faith produces peace. Yeah. The book of Romans says there's joy and peace in believing. So faith produces peace. Fear produces panic. Master, don't you care that we're perishing? Right? What did Jesus say? Hey, guys, I understand. Wow, I mean, if I wasn't Jesus, I'd have worried too. Matter of fact, I'm kind of worried right now, but just because I'm Jesus, it don't work. Is that what he said? No. He said, how is it you're so fearful? How is it you have no faith? (laughs) They were about that close to drowning. And Jesus woke up in a boat full of water. Not a boat on a stormy sea. The Greek says the waves had come over into the boat and it was just about swamped. 
Anybody, any, 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 anybody ever rode in, in the military in a carrier, a destroyer, rough seas, somebody? Is that fun? That's not fun, is it? Because you see waves like mountains. And that boat goes up, boom, right? And that water comes over the bow. And you're going, even if you weren't saved, you got saved till that storm passed. Oh, Samama, ha ha. The boat's full of water. And Jesus stands up in the water and says, Why are you so fearful? Boat's full of water, Jesus. He said, you have no faith. You know, that always, that always got me. Maybe you don't think about it. He calmed the storm, but the boat's still full of water. And he's not worried about it. Well, it's because Jesus could walk on water. Well, Peter proved so could have they. Don't ever put something over in the God category that Jesus could do it, but I can't do it. The Bible says the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. Jesus himself said, greater works than these shall you do because I go to my Father. If Jesus never worried, you can never worry. Let me finish with this, John 14, 27. Well, pastor, you know just who do you think you are? Exactly who Jesus says I am. One that has world overcoming faith on the inside of him. I am in a place where the wicked one cannot touch me. Do you realize that? The Bible says you are of God, little children, and have overcome them because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And then it says whatsoever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. And then it says whoever is born of God overcometh the enemy, and the devil cannot touch him. So the Bible says, don't take my word for it, read 1 John. It's that little book in the back of the Bible. Amen. John 14, verse 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace. Then he reiterates, this peace I'm leaving is my peace. Not as the world gives, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. The peace the world gives is based on circumstances. The peace we have is based on what we believe. Amen. Amen. The world, the world's peace can be shaken by what's heard and seen. The peace that we've been given remains despite what is heard or seen. The literal version says... And the peace of God that is surpassing all understanding will guard your hearts and thoughts in Christ Jesus. The Wuss Bible says the peace of God which surpasses all power of comprehension will mount guard over your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. What is it? The peace of God. That's the peace that we've been left with. Amen. Amen. Don't give your thoughts to what the world and ungodly sources are saying. 
folks, you need to make a job out of believing. You got to make a job out of believing. This, this is not something, if, and, and I'm not saying anybody in here is. I know what church you go to. But if you've been kind of playing with it, kind of a little dab do you, you better get busy. You got to get busy. You, you, you got to get busy in your walk with God and in your walk with, of faith. It's, it's, just, it's just the way it is. And, and, and thank you, Lord, I'll say that. And there will be people that don't want to be around you anymore. Because you're getting serious about what God's asking you to do. Well, I'll tell you what. I want to be around people that are serious about what God wants to do. I don't have time for lukewarm people. I don't have time for people that want one foot in the kingdom and one foot in the world. Because I can't quite be as happy in the kingdom without the world, and I can't really do all I want to do in the world because of the kingdom, so I'll just kind of have a miserable existence here straddling the fence. You know, it doesn't matter how much scripture you can quote or how many spiritual slogans you know, if your life doesn't match up to what you're quoting and saying, the Bible says you're a sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. In other words, the Greek says you're just annoying and there are people that, get, that come around you and they're just annoying. Because they got one foot in the kingdom and one foot in the world. Wherever you're at, be all there. Whatever you are, be all that. If you're going to play with serving God, then just go be 100% sinner. You'll be happier. But if you're going to live for God, get over here in the kingdom and be all in for God. Because you'll be much happier being all in for God. That's just the way it is. And you won't give your mind to everything that the world's saying. Amen. Let's stand up today, shall we? I believe you received this morning. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Because I'm telling you, the Lord has been talking to us about some things. And we, you know, we talk about shifts and we talk about things happening in the spirit realm. But folks, I'm telling you, we're, we're moving forward in so many areas. There's so much going on in the kingdom right now. Amen. And it, it's, it's time just to be all in. Everything. God, what, what do you want? And we're going to go do it. Amen. Oh, hallelujah. So, Father, we thank you today. We thank you for the Holy Spirit. We thank you for the Word of God. That has so enriched our lives today. And Father, we thank you that we will be those that give our minds and our thoughts and our, our thinking to the things of the Word of God and not to the things of the world. And Father, we thank you in the name of Jesus for all you've done and all that you're going to do. And we thank you for us being a part of what you're doing in these end times. In the name of Jesus, amen.